covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. Another week's worth of Brewers talk. Thankfully, the Brewers were able to win on Sunday. It maybe wasn't the prettiest of wins, but a win is a win. So at least we're not talking about the team being on an extended losing streak here on the podcast this week. A lot to get to. We have another conversation with uh, WTMJ Knights host Scott Warris. Always enjoy having him on. Uh, it's kind of a different conversation than many of the conversations we have on the podcast. It's more of a just a, a baseball conversation between two people who love the game of baseball, and we get pretty good response when we have Scott on. So maybe not so much breaking down all aspects of the team, but certainly talking about the game of baseball and the Brewers specifically. So a conversation with Scott Warris is going to be coming up in just a few moments. The Brewers had a really tough two weeks, and we don't know if this slump is over or not. Uh, Sunday, in in some ways, it was good because they won and because they got a really good pitching performance from Freddie Peralta. In some ways, it wasn't so good because they were up 8-0 and they ended up just barely holding on for a win and the defense wasn't very good and there were some things that didn't happen well uh, for the team. I'm kind of under the – I've always thought that when when things are not going well for you, you should probably never begrudge a win, but you really don't begrudge a win when things are not going well. The team needed a win. Would have it been better if after they got up 8-0, if they would have just cruised to victory? Yeah, clearly. That would have been a much better scenario than the way things finished out on Sunday. But at least they were able to go into the off day with a little bit of momentum and feeling a little bit better about themselves because they were able to pick up a victory. I thought the comments that David Stearns made on Sunday prior to the game were were interesting because he basically said that team hasn't been playing well offensively, and, and we all know that. Like That's not him breaking any news. But when asked about his concern level, he kind of tamped down the concern level because he basically said it was two weeks. You don't like the way the team was hitting for a two-week period. You don't like uh, they were not having great at-bats across the board for a two-week period. But you don't judge a team on two weeks, even when it's still fairly early on in the season. So a two-week portion of the series, or the season, I should say, accounts for a, a pretty substantial portion of the season. Now, they got to hit better. They got to hit better, period. They got to hit better with runners in scoring position. Those are, uh, when the team was winning games, they weren't hitting as a team, but what they were doing was when they got runners on, they were driving them in. And that has changed. They have really struggled. They're in the 13-game period where they went 3-10 and 10 leading into Sunday's game. They had hit 143 with runners in scoring position during that period. Even on Sunday, this is incredible, even on Sunday when they scored the 10 runs, they still didn't hit with runners in scoring position. They went 2-15 for 15 on Sunday. So it wasn't good. I don't know what the answer is. I don't. I mean, other than the fact that they got to get healthy, uh, other than the fact that two guys who are supposed to be middle-of-the-order guys who can carry your offense haven't been available to you. Uh, well, one hasn't been available to you in Christian Yelich because of injury. The other's not available to you because he hasn't been who you expected him to be. In Keston Hira, he's at AAA. If, if the Brewers get to a point where Christian Yelich is Christian Yelich and Keston Hira is what the Brewers expected Keston Hira to be this year, well, then... All of a sudden, the offense is is markedly better, right? The, the, significantly better. 
You put those guys right in the middle of the lineup and you're able to do a lot more. But that's not the case right now. There's other guys who have not been doing what you expected them to do and and it's just it's a struggle right now. And personally for me, I'm I'm not one to say okay, you got to fire Andy Haynes. Now, if the team hits 210 this year and that's about what their batting average is at the end of the season, well then you got to look everywhere and there's going to be accountability and and there might be changes but that's I've I've never been one to think that firing coaches makes the difference. In fact, I think more often than not, when you leave coaches in their positions for an extended amount of time, that you you get more out of it. I've said this a few times lately. So for those of you who are loyal listeners of the post game show, I'm sorry that I'm kind of repeating myself, but it's worth mentioning. When I first got to Milwaukee, when I first started uh, doing what I'm doing. There were people, there were a lot of people who wanted Derek Johnson, former Brewers pitching coach Derek Johnson, fired. I can't tell you how often I got text messages, people saying, oh, this guy's just a college coach. They got a college coach as their pitching coach. That was always the, uh, that was one of the things that was said about the guy. And obviously we know that Derek Johnson turned into a really good pitching coach. And then it's kind of in the same way when, when DJ left and Chris Hook took over, I can't tell you how often. We can go back and find podcasts from when Chris Hook was in his first season as pitching coach over and over and over. People were very critical of Chris Hook and wanted him fired. People always want people fired. And I, I hate that, by the way. Like, you're talking about people who you, you're, you're rooting for a human being to lose their job. I don't like that. That, that, that doesn't sit great with me. Uh, not that everybody deserves to have their job just because they have it. I'm not saying that. But I've never liked the idea of us rooting for people to lose their jobs. It's just not something that I... Uh, partake in very often. Sidebar over, Chris Hook is, nobody's calling for Chris Hook's job now, right? If they are, they're not They're not saying it to me. So now we're doing this with Andy Haynes. And I get that, you know, with Derek Johnson, obviously the pitching turned around pretty quick. With Chris Hook, the pitching turned around relatively quick. With Andy Haynes, his first year, the team was a pretty good offensive club. But then last year and this year they struggled. I, I kind of throw out last year. Because everybody struggled. I've said this a million times. I'll say it again in this con- when we have Scott Warris on coming up in just a bit because we've already pre-recorded that conversation, so I know what I'm going to say to Scott. Brewers last year, their worst offensive season in club history from a batting average standpoint. They were second in the National League Central in hitting. Everybody stunk offensively last year. Not everybody, but most teams stunk offensively last year. You, you, you throw last year out. You don't take anything away from last year. But they're struggling this year. They are struggling this year in a very big way. They are last in the National League hitting, and it's not even close. It's not like if they go out and and collect 10, 15 hits for two, three days in a row that all of a sudden they're not going to be the last place team. I don't don't know exactly what that would do, but they are are significantly behind the second to worst team in terms of hitting. It has to be better. I think it is going to get better. I think it's going to be much better when you get guys back in the lineup. There is pressure on Christian Yelich to be Christian Yelich. There's pressure on Keston Hira to, to get it going. There's pressure on some of the underperforming players like a Lorenzo Cain, like a Jackie Bradley Jr. There's a lot of pressure to go around. When you're the worst hitting team in the National League, trust me, there's, there's enough hitting pressure to go around. And sometimes that's not always a good thing because baseball is the sport where if you all of a sudden start you know, trying harder because there's pressure, a lot of times that can be the exact opposite of what you actually want. So, I don't know. I say all that to say, let's just see what happens here. 
I've I've been around this game long enough to know to not make any make any sort of wide ranging conclusions off two weeks of things not going well. But again, it's also I say small sample size a lot. This isn't a small sample size. You you hit as poorly as they hit for a two week period. It's not nothing. It it might not be as much as some make it out to be, but at the same time, it's not nothing. It is it is notable, and it is something that they've got to get fixed. If they want to get to where they want to be this year, if they want to be a playoff team, I truly believe that this is going to be a team that's going to be in contention for the division uh, in the final month of the season. I don't know if that means they're going to win the division or not, but I think they are going to very much be in contention as they go into the home stretch of the season. But for that to be true, obviously and clearly, I'm not saying anything that you probably don't already know, the hitting has to be significantly better than what it is right now. All right, uh, as mentioned, this week uh, our featured conversation, we're very happy to welcome back onto the podcast a guy that you hear evenings on WTMJ if there is not a Brewers game or if there's not a Bucks game. And there no... always is this time of year. There he is. There he is. Uh, he doesn't work very much uh, this time of year. He is uh, Scott Warris, the host of WTMJ Nights. Hi, Scott. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I really need airtime right now because I'm not getting it on the flagship. No, I know. It's all part of the gig. I get it. I get it. Well, I mean, that's why. And people <laughs> people are wondering if you still exist, if you're still alive, or if uh, something happened, you know, an untimely situation occurred with your well-being. So uh, more than anything no. else, we just want to make sure that people know that, indeed, Scott Wars does exist. Thank you for making this appearance uh, more or less a simple welfare check. <laughs> My condition. Uh, my parents are listening. I'm okay. I'll be on the radio uh, as soon as the Brewers don't play or the Bucks don't play. I'll be back. So this but, is how. Well, thank you for letting me uh, warm up my voice in the meantime on the, yes, on the podcast. Here. It's all about killing two birds with one stone because I've got to do a podcast. I got to get a guest on the podcast, and we had to do a welfare check on Scott. So I'm like, you know what? These things seem like they're not connected, but you know what? We're going to connect them over here at WTMJ.com. Thank you, I think. <laughs> the master of the backhanded compliment, Matt Pauly, everybody. That's what All I right, do. So where do you start? Where are we going? Where do you want to go? You drive this car. Uh, they're really struggling offensively. Now, admittedly, we're talking on Sunday night, and they scored 10 runs on Sunday, and that's that's that was really good to see. But even in a game, like – even in a game where they scored 10 runs, they were still 2-for-15 with runners in scoring position. They went through a 3-10 and 10 streak uh, over the 13 games. They were 17-10 they were and 10 with the best record in the National League in, on May 1st, and then they lost 10 of their next 13. They dropped all the way to 500, and during that 13 games that they only won three, they hit just barely 200 as a club, but they hit 143 with runners in scoring position. Scott, this this 2-for-15 that they had on Sunday, the 0-for-10 that they had, I think, on Saturday, the 1-for-15 that they had uh, at one point in this series, like, it's just, it, it really is incredible how much they can struggle with runners in scoring position. You know what's incredible is that you recite those numbers, and they won three games. <laughs> it makes it a lot more impressive that way. Yeah, no, I mean, 
I've, I was asked the other day by somebody on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the high end, on a scale of 1 to 10, where am I in my worry, I think is how they were phrasing it, though my worry about the Brewers. And I'm like, and this was right before the uh, Braves series, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm like a 3, maybe a 4, maybe, maybe. But I, I, I said, I, I can't. Until Yelich comes back, or until we learn he's going to be out for an extended period, whichever comes first, and hopefully it's the, the former, and it sounds like it might be, unless you're going to tell me something else I didn't know today. Um, until Yelich comes back and Craig Council gets to draw up the lineup that he wanted, and I guess you could say he had on, on opening day, um, until that happens and they can play with as close to the lineup that he anticipated all year. I just, I, 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 I'm not about to freak out. Um, again, it speaks to this pitching staff and it's, it's an old adage, but it's pitching, pitching, pitching and defense, obviously pitching and defense will carry you. And, and that's what are they won Now one game back one game over 500, despite this, one of the worst, you know, offenses in, in the national league and even in all of baseball because of the pitching and the defense. So, yeah, it's frustrating. I get it. I understand why a lot of people are frustrated. But until Yelich comes back, and until you can put the nine out there that you anticipated when this organ and this team was put together by Stearns for this year, and coupled with the pitching that they're getting throughout top to bottom on the staff, then let's see how they do. If then, uh, Matt, if then they're struggling at this clip with Yelich and with everybody going, then, all right, then my, my three or four on the worry scale will, will kick up a bit. But until then, and until we get more games under our belt, it's still early-ish. I'm, I'm just, I'm not worried. Frustrated? Sure, of course. Everybody's frustrated. Uh, when you look at the woulda, shoulda, couldas with, with, you know, close games and you just can't push that run across. But I'm appreciative of what they've gotten so far because of the pitching primarily and some timely hitting especially there, like you say, in the month of April. But until everything's all together, I'm frustrated. But I'm, I'm, I'm still not worried. And I think fans shouldn't be worried either. Yeah, I, look, I agree with everything you just said. And there's, I, I got a text message. We always joke about some of the texts that we get after games. And, and um, <laughs> I got a text the other day where somebody said, oh, they're playing themselves out of, out of the playoffs. Wait, wait what? No. This this isn't September. This isn't August. This isn't no. July. Like you, you can't really, you can't be above five hundred and be playing yourself out of the playoffs in no. the month of May. No, in fact, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. They have played themselves into uh, contention. They have pitched themselves into staying in contention. If we get to August and we get to September. And they're vying for a division championship or or a uh, another wild card position. We can look back, and I hope you remind folks on your show and other spots. Remind remind people about April, and remind people about well, maybe early May. We'll see how the we're only halfway through the month. Remind them of how bad the offense was and how much the pitching carried them. And because the pitching carried them, 
they did not play themselves out of a playoff spot in April and May like other teams do. I'd say it's just the opposite of, of whatever that person emailed or texted you. No, I yeah, it's um, it's kind of funny because look, they, and you look at them making the postseason all these years in a row. They've been out of out of the playoff spots, you know, some of these years where they've had to play well going into the final month and they're always they're very good in the final mm-hmm. month. I just don't look, there's a this is a very flawed baseball team. We're seeing that right now. It's an injured baseball team. We're seeing that right now. But to me, th- th- this is the most important thing. There's no great team in the NL Central. I think the Brewers and the Cardinals are the class of the division. I think the Cubs and the Reds are a step back, and then the Pirates are way back. I I don't know who's better between the Brewers and the Cardinals. I think the Brewers, when they're healthy, they have a more deep team from from 1 to 26. Their pitching is better. Uh, But when you look at the Cardinals, it's really hard to look past that middle of the order where they've got Arnato and Goldschmidt. I mean, just those two guys in the order are bringing up so much fear, and it really gives them an opportunity to score runs every two to three innings. But they're they're, going to be right there. I think they're going to be right there with St. Louis when the season comes to an end. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I'm glad you brought the injury thing because as I was talking before about, you know, doing what they did and, and appreciate what they did uh, with the offense underperforming, uh, uh, mass, you know, uh, <laughs> massively. Yeah, the injury bug as well. I mean, what do they have? How many guys have they had on the, on the IL at their peak to this point? Like 15 or something? Am I, am, I, am I right in that? I think it was more than that. I know, I, I that know. they've already used, I believe, 43 different players this season. I mean, so again, going back to before, they've kept their season alive. Because, I mean, if you consider all the injuries, the days spent on the IL, all the different players that have missed games, the offense hitting what it is, and they're still... Now above 500. It just makes what they've done, I think, more impressive rather than, oh, they're playing themselves out. I don't know. And look, and down the stretch, like you said, if we fast forward here through the summer, which I'd hate to do because we haven't had a summer in a couple of years, a normal summer, um, I, you, you fast forward to August and September, and Craig Council and his coaching staff, hey, let's go before that. David Stearns and, and Mark Adonazio have shown time and time again, I feel like I say this every time I'm on with you, but I, I, I think it's worth repeating because not enough people recognize it. They will make the moves that are necessary to put the team in contention. Uh, and then on the diamond, Craig Council and his coaching staff have found ways of getting these guys to play their best ball late. And this is now a regular uh, theme of a council-led team. It wasn't just a you know a one shot incredible 2018 in September. They did it in 19 uh, last year. They made the playoffs. I know under 500, but it was a wacky year. So they've got a pedigree of doing that. I, I don't. I don't know. You know what I think part of it is too. In this state, fan base, they're wired for football. Yeah, and I've thought that for a long time. It's and it's understandable because of the Packers. Everybody's wired on this every game. Every game matters. No, it doesn't. Uh, Everybody thinks like a football mentality in this state. And they they transfer it to their uh, love of the Brewers and they ride the roller coaster. And that's fine if fans are supposed to do. 
But I don't know about you, or you probably have, because you've been in baseball for basically your whole life, but I've, I remember I took it upon myself, uh, maybe it was, I don't know, sometime in the last five or six years, to consciously recognize that you try to win a series, and you take a step back, and you try to have a winning homestand or a 500 road trip, and you take a step back from there, and it's like, you know what, let's have a winning month. I mean, if you're if you're three or four games over 500 each month with a six month season, right? So that's if you go three games over 500 for six months, you're 18 over 500. You're probably in the playoffs. And I think to take that kind of measured approach to the sport, it's hard. I know. Maybe it's because you and I are in the media, so some of the fandom has been beaten out of us because of our profession. But I think the fan base in this market of the Brewers. They're hardwired to think like a football schedule, and sometimes it's they're their own they're their own worst uh, you know enemies in that respect, and and then you see it and hear about it on the shows and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think I agree with a lot of what you just said. And look, we've been talking here for twelve minutes, and it's it's been kind of kumbaya. Look, they're they're not hitting well with runners in scoring position. They're not scoring enough runs. Let's not sit here and say, oh, it's it's fine that they're. They, it is a problem that needs to be fixed, and it's it's a two week problem. Which a two week problem isn't a two month problem, but it's also not a weekend problem. I think you know, David Stearns talked on Sunday and said uh, two weeks he's not going to get overly concerned about, but if it goes beyond that, then you start to get worried. Let's yeah, you know, the, there are when you have something that's going wrong for two weeks, I think it is a legitimate thing that does need to be addressed. Well, and and here's another question. I I don't know the answer to this yet. Maybe you've thought about it. Last year, 60 games that it was, they were horrible. They're horrible. Statistically, what, the worst offensive year in in the history of the organization. And here we sit, mid-May, right smack dab in the middle of May, right? And through a month and a half of this season, they are at or near the bottom offensively. So, because somebody asked me this too, and I, I didn't have a good answer, and I don't know. I don't know. Is it a continuation of last year, or was last year just something we just kind of, you know, a place on the side like it never happened? I, I don't know. Now, if we get to May and we're into June, you're two months in, and the offense still struggles, well, then you go, well, hang on a second. Maybe there's a larger issue here. You're right. I, it's not. It's not that I'm ignoring the problem. I just. I guess I personally need a little more time before I really get worried. Uh, I remember you and I talked last year as to like, you know, how do we how do we approach twenty twenty? How are we going to approach individual seasons in this weird truncated campaign of twenty twenty? How are we going to approach uh, team wide themes of twenty twenty team wide trends? And I remember you and I kind of going, eh, I don't know. <laughs> We'll see, and I, I think we we kind of agreed that well, let's see how twenty twenty one plays out, and we'll see if there are threads from last year to this year. And unfortunately, there's a thread that the offense isn't playing well. Uh, how are you? I guess I would turn it on you, maybe. Yeah. I mean, are, are you in the back of your mind? Are you thinking, well, man, last year for the two month season they were bad offensively. This year, month and a half, they're bad offensively. Are you linking the two? Is is there a thread from one to the other yet in your mind? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm glad you said it because I do think there's a difference. Um, and the difference has a lot to do for me 
with what else is going on in baseball. And, and people who have listened to me a lot know exactly where I'm about to go here. Last year, the Brewers had, as you made reference to, their worst hitting season in club history. But Scott, last year they were second in the National League Central in hitting. They had their worst year ever, but they were the second best team hitting in the National League Central. So that tells you that last year everybody stunk at hitting. So when I look at what they're doing this year and they're struggling hitting, as we talk on a Sunday night, they are... Uh, I think hitting 212 as a team, 211 as a team. That is worst in the National League. Second worst is the San Francisco Giants at 224. So they're 13 points behind the second worst team. What what separates last year from this year for me, and why I may be a little bit more concerned about this year, is it's not a case that everybody is struggling, but the Brewers are still struggling. That's where I would differentiate the two. Hmm. Hmm. What? Um... I don't know if you know this off the top of your head or if you got something there in front of you. What are our numbers, our offensive numbers down this year? I mean, I know that in the baseball, the physical baseball changed. I'm sure home runs are down. I'm just expecting home runs to be down. Like across the board, are our offensive numbers down, like team wide, league wide compared to last year, the last couple years? I mean, I guess that would be the other variable too. I mean, we lament the Brewers' woes, but if if a majority of the teams or, or most of baseball is down, well, then relatively speaking, how frustrated should we be? Do, I, what, what, what does it look like league wide yes, right now? So, that, I, I, it's hard for me to go say you know where it was at, say forty games in the season last year, or where it was at on May sixteenth two years ago. But I can tell you the final numbers in previous seasons as far as average goes. So right now. In the National League, the top team is hitting 254 and the worst team is hitting 211. In 2020 in the National League, the top team hit 272, so that's 20 points better than what the top team is sitting at right now. The bottom team hit 212, that's that's about the same. In, tw- yeah. in 2019, the top team, uh, three teams hit 265. So that's significantly more than what the top team is right now. But even more notably is the worst team hit 238. So the worst team in 2019 hit 20 points better than where they're at right now. Now, again, it's tough to evaluate on May 16th because offense is always going to be down in the first month of the season when it's cold. So I would assume that those numbers are going to come up as the year goes along. But, no, I think – I, I, the ball is clearly not traveling this year the way it has traveled in previous years. Pitching is clearly ahead of hitting. Balls are not being put in play. The strikeout numbers are insane. And I would have no reason to believe anything other than offense is going to continue to come down until Major League Baseball finds some way to fix it. What exactly did they do to the ball? Can you explain that succinctly? Did, did they rework the uh, the inside of it, or is, is it the um, the uh, the seams? I are... think it was how tightly it was kind of wrapped up. Is for yeah. you know, it's. Okay. I've read some. The Athletic has written multiple articles about the baseball, and I've read them. And Scott, I'm not the smartest person in the world, as we all know. Uh, there's been some stuff that I just, it's, it gets so intricate into like the science of it. I really don't understand it. 
Nobody said there'd be math. Exactly. To, to follow baseball and uh, and baseball. Well, I think that that is interesting. I guess just to follow the the trends from you know from team to team and continue to just kind of uh, map it out. Who's been your most impressive Brewer uh, non pitcher? I mean, I think pitching would probably be easy as a Corbin Burns, but like a position player, Omar Nervais. Uh, who's been your, who, I was just gonna say, yeah, that was mine too. Yeah, so here's the thing that is really um, really kind of confusing to me when it comes to the Brewers because mm-hmm. we went into this year talking about, well, all these guys have got to have bounce backs. Like we use the word bounce back over and over and over again. And when we did it, who are we talking about? We were talking about Omar Nervias. Well, he's had quite the bounce-back season. We were talking about Travis Shaw, even though it was more about Travis Shaw two years yeah. ago, not last year. Well, Shaw's having a nice season. We talked about Avisail Garcia. Well, Garcia is, my, is the hottest hitter right now for the Brewers. So a bunch of the guys, I, you thought going into the season that the season, the success of the season was going to be contingent upon players having bounce-backs. A bunch of the guys that Yelich you need, too. yeah, Yelich too, and even though he hasn't played very much, is no, he's he's a three fifty three right. hitter at the big league level. So a bunch of the guys that you wanted to see bounce back, so that you thought was going to be the single most important thing about the Brewers having success, a bunch of those guys are now. Not everybody, Lorenzo Cain's not there yet. Uh, Keston Hira did not play well, and now he's at AAA. So this is not a one hundred percent thing, but. The majority of the bounce back candidates indeed have bounced back, yet this team is still sitting with a 211 batting average. To me, that, that is maybe the most confusing thing about this team. It, it, you mentioned Lorenzo Kane. I was talking to somebody the other day um, who was lamenting the. Uh, <laughs> he used a great term, too. He said, You know what the Brewers lack? They lack a true professional hitter. <laughs> But what exactly does that mean? Like the term professional hitter, it sounds good if you're, you know, trying to talk like a baseball expert and an analyst. Well, you know, professional hitting and so on and so forth. And I said, what exactly do you mean by professional hitter? And he says, I wish I could see your face. Um, He says they haven't had a professional hitter. I'm not going to say his name. No, they, they haven't had a professional hitter since Jonathan Lucroy. And I said, hmm. well, I don't know how you define professional hitter, but isn't Christian Yelich? I don't know. Kind of a professional hitter. Then I said, but, but I'm getting to my point here. Um, then we started talking about Lorenzo Kane. Do you think I, and, and you know, based on his reps, and he doesn't play quite as much anymore. Now he's getting up there, I know. Like, what are your expectations for Lorenzo Cain? Because as I talked, as I mentioned before, about, like, I want to see the lineup, the, 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 the day one, the planned lineup with Yelich and everybody. I mean, how much should we expect from Lorenzo Cain now? Because he's, he's, I don't know, I think missing him last year, I thought he'd come back this year. And in my mind, I still think of the Lorenzo Cain of, like, 2018 even, or, or 2019. Is is that right to do? How do you how do you approach the contributions that we as fans should expect from Lorenzo Cain now? And uh, what is this year four of the deal? Yeah, I, 
I think he has a lot left. And I think for a guy of his age, I think missing an entire season is really challenging. Mm -hmm. And then being banged up coming into the year and and not even getting all the reps during spring training. Is he going to be his best self? No. But is he going to be more than he is right now? I think so. But there were also a lot of guys, like I never thought that Christian Yelich was going to have the year he had last year, and he had it. And it just never really turned around. So I I could be wrong on this. But I I still think it's really early for, for Kane just in terms of the uh, the comeback. And, and to your to your mm-hmm. friend's point, I think this is what I would say. I don't think when – because Yelich hasn't hit with power this year. That's been the thing that was missing. He was hitting for average before he got hurt, but he wasn't hitting for power. Uh, so he, he wasn't a dangerous hitter because to be a dangerous hitter, you got to hit for power. And I, I talked about it earlier when I was talking about the, the difference between the Brewers and the Cardinals. The Cardinals have a dangerous lineup simply because they've got those two guys. They, right. you know, they scare you. They have two guys in the lineup mm-hmm. that scare you. Now, when Christian Yelich is at his best, he scares you. But he still hasn't been that guy in a while, and you're waiting for that to come around. So I don't think the Brewers have anybody in the lineup that scares you as an opposing team. And that... That, that makes it a little bit easier, I think, at times for pitchers and, and even for managers. Like, you're not – when again, I, I, I hate that I keep talking about the Cardinals, but I think they're the team that the Brewers are going to be right up against to win the division, so that's why I keep bringing them up. If you're Craig Council and you're playing the Cardinals and you're managing the game in your head two, three, four innings ahead of time, you got to sit there and plan everything out based upon when those two guys are going to be coming up to the plate again. And I think when you're managing against the Brewers, there's not a guy that causes you to do that. No. no. Okay, since we're on the Cardinals portion of the podcast here, can I ask you, what happened to Matt Adams? Matt Adams, right? Yeah, he, he, he plays for Colorado now, right? No, uh, who am I thinking of? Matt Carpenter? Who's the uh, left? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, sorry, sorry. Not, not Matt Adams. Matt Carpenter. Matt, like, what happened to him? I mean, he had that big home run year. You know, what, did he hit 40 or mid to high 30s? Was that three, four years ago? It, it, and he really hasn't, it, it, he, like, he hadn't hit home runs before then. Suddenly, I don't know if he changed his swing or something, uh, but he had that massive year. 36 in 2018. Yeah, he started slow, right? And then all of a sudden he took off that year and was smashing them all over the place. And correct me if I'm wrong, he hasn't really come close to putting up big numbers like that either. No, in and 2019 he hasn't really he hit... come close to doing much of anything ever since that home run year. It's almost like they... I don't know if he or they or whatever, like his swing is ruined. He had a big home run year. And before that, he was always like a, you know, a a singles and doubles hitter. And he would just terrorize the Brewers. I feel like Carpenter has not been the same since that big home run year. Yeah. It's, and it wasn't also, that was not a, um, he wasn't a one hit wonder with that year either. Like he hits the bit, you know, the home runs that year, he hits the 36 home runs. But the year before, he hit uh, 23 home runs, and he had 31 doubles. Mm-hmm. The year before that, he was an all-star. He had 21 home runs, 36 doubles. The year before that, was 12th in the MVP voting with 44 doubles. He had 28 home runs. So he put up 
Yeah, 28 home runs is obviously a very legitimate number of right. home runs. But, yeah, he gets right. to 36 in 2018, and then he just falls off the then. map. Hasn't hit more than yeah. 15 cents. Hasn't had an OPS yeah. better than 726 cents. Um, but, I mean, he's not he's not super young either. He's 35 now. Really? Uh, I, I So, to me, I think the thing is he wasn't a one-hit wonder with that 36, so I think he's just gotten older more than anything else because he put together oh. a pretty solid five-year career there. Yeah, no, for sure. But, yeah, see, I, but up until then, I mean, you, you read the numbers, and yeah, age plays a role. I don't know. I, I, I was looking, I think when they were playing them last week or so, I was – just kind of thinking about his career, and I think I went back and I looked at some things. I'm like, man, after he hit that high water mark for home runs, it's almost like he realized, hey, I could do this. And, uh, and since then, it's just been a real drop off. Because yeah, like the numbers say, I mean, he was he was always like adding here the league lead in doubles and things like that. I don't know. I just uh, it, it, you were talking Cardinals here, and I, I thought of him because if he was ever able to find some semblance of uh, you know what he was during that stretch with Arenado and and with Goldschmidt. Then oh man, I hate to think what they would look like. But I've had, I'm not lamenting it. I'm just curious as to what happened. Yeah, I've had some kind of taking that back to the Brewers. I keep getting text messages during the show about you know, well bring Bra- Ryan Braun back and everything's going to be good. Oh, and I I don't think it's <laughs> I don't think it's completely ruled out that if this team is in contention in July or August, because I still, I hate the fact that if he never plays again, he finished his career playing in empty ballparks. Like I would love for him to get one more run with the Brewers so he can get that final at bat and get the, the applause that he deserves. Um, but anything more than that, like he'd be, he'd be good for a big hit or two in September. He'd be good in the clubhouse, but he's not turning around the offense. I can't tell you how many text messages I get where people are saying, go go re-sign Ryan Braun, and that's going to fix the problems. I mean, this is a guy who hit 233 last year. It's a guy who's had a hard time staying on the field consistently for a good number of years now. Uh, what we talked about a moment ago with Lorenzo Cain, it's get, you know, the longer he's out, because last year, like they think about it this way, Lorenzo Cain, by not playing last year, or not, you know, by not, he he opted out right at the beginning of the season. So what he played one, two, three games. I don't remember the exact number. He opted out when they couldn't play that series against St. Louis, what was supposed to be their home opener. Um, but that was sixty games missed. Well, they're forty plus games into the season. They're two weeks away from playing the same number of games last year. So at that point, Ryan Braun would essentially be missing the same amount of time that Lorenzo Cain missed last year I, I just I'd love to see him back with the Brewers I don't think it's 100% a closed door that he doesn't come back but I, I think people who think that he's going to walk in and save the offense I, I I just can't agree with that well to tell you where I'm at I haven't even that idea hasn't even crossed my mind that maybe Ryan Brock could come back and that would uh, breathe some life and some some energy, some juice into the offense. That thought has not even crossed my mind. The the thought that has crossed my mind is, so why hasn't he retired? Is he is he holding out that the Brewers come calling, or or some American League team comes calling, and he can DH for a couple weeks or a couple months down the home stretch or something? What what I mean, if, what like other if, reason would he have for not having already retired? I mean, he could come back. He could 
have his day in the park and retire and ceremony and whatever. If he deal? wanted to play, he he he'd be playing. Um, the Dodgers just signed yeah. Albert Pujols. If you know, it's right. always been talked about that if he's going to continue to play, it's either going to be with the Brewers or the Dodgers. Well, the Dodgers just signed Albert Pujols, so obviously they saw some type of need. Braun can play first base if you need him to. Uh, so if if he wanted to play, then he he'd be a Dodger right now because if they were willing to sign Albert Pujols, then I'm sure they were willing to sign him. I just I. I I think he hated. What am I missing? I, I think I last missing? year he hated okay. the protocols that existed, and it put a bad taste in his mouth. And now that protocols are starting to loosen, I would bet at some point in the relatively near future he's going to have to have that conversation with himself on whether or not he does want to make one more run at it. Now maybe he's already had that conversation with himself, and if he has, then the answer is no. But if there is any chance that he's going to play again, I think he's got to have one of those kind of internal conversations here mm. relatively soon. I mean, I, I guess. I guess. I mean, would he go somewhere else? No. I mean, are, are you, are you okay, I was going to say, are you uh, implying or do you infer from his actions or inaction that he's, he's holding out that somebody, or is it is it Brewers or Bust? I think it's Brewers him? or Bust. And I think if he called up... David Stearns, Matt Arnold, Craig Council, Mark Antanasio tomorrow and said, all right, I'm, I'm ready. I want to play. I think they'd have a, a contract and everything worked out in about an hour, oh. and he would be in Arizona working out. Wow. Do you think they retire his number? Yeah. think they do? Yeah. He's, 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 he, he's the all-time home run uh, leader for the Brewers, right? He passed yes. Yount? Yep. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and huh. um, I know there's a contingent yeah. of fans in Milwaukee who don't like him and have never forgiven him for what happened. And that's I'm not, I'm not going to say they're wrong. That's, that's their right to, to hold that. But for the most part, he is a beloved Milwaukee Brewer. He has a very good relationship with all the people that I just mentioned. I don't think there's any doubt that he is going to um, – that he's going to have his number retired. Well, and, and it's a stark reminder, and we learned a lot from that era of baseball, that if you make a mistake and you apologize for it, people will forgive you. Yeah. Like, people will forgive you. And I think the people that, you know, have still hung up on that ordeal – or don't quite see him in the greatest of light. I think a lot of people, again, we're just talking here, what other people think of the markets. I mean, who cares? Um, a, a lot of people are hung up on the, the response to what happened and, and how he handled it initially, uh, rather than the actual, um, you know, mistake in and of itself. We've seen that in other markets with other guys. Uh, some have handled it well, apologized and, it's just a mere footnote in history, and others, you know, failed to realize that people, and this is a lesson for everybody in all walks of life, people are, people are more willing to uh, forgive than I think um, many recognize, and I think people will probably always take that. It's not, not necessarily the, uh, the mistake itself, it's how you handle it, but I, I guess, I, you know, I think about, you know, having his number retired and... I guess you would, 
Um, I never gave it too much thought. I guess uh, it, it would be a debate to be had, but considering what he did, and man, and I know you weren't here in Milwaukee in 2007, right? Yeah, seven when he seven or eight when he came up. But man, I just saw his, I just saw Braun's name and stats for something else recently in a couple of weeks. Was it most extra base hits in his first? 14 games or something like that, and Braun was on the list. I forget what rookie had passed him uh, recently here. Uh, who was it? But yeah, I mean, he was, what he did coming up was just, it was just remarkable. And it's hard to believe it's been that long already, you know, 13, 14, 15 years, 13, 14 years or so. And what he did uh, at, uh, you know, he was right there with the, the Prince Fielders and the Ricky Weeks and the J.J. Hardys, and now we all feel old because. It feels like just yesterday they were all up, and now most of them are retired and not in the game anymore. Crazy. Crazy. It is. All right, Scott, let's uh, let's end it there for now. I'm sure we will do this again very, very soon. Next time they lose uh, 10 of 13, I'll make sure to get you back on the podcast. (laughs) I'm your guy when the offense is scuffling and they've lost 10 of 13. Yes. I'm your guy. All right. (laughs) Scott, 10 of 13, Warris. That's where we're going to start calling you. (laughs) Or, may, or should, should it should really that, be Scott three of thirteen, Morris. Going to say that, or when the Brewers and Bucks schedule has me in a rather uh, lengthy hiatus from WTMJ Radio, and I will call you and say, "Hey, you know, I need to, I need some time. Can you give me some time?" There you go. I, by the way, on a highlight segment the other day, Tyler Matzik was into the game for the Braves, and I did refer to him as Tyler. Don't oh. call me Greg Matzik. <laughs> Are there any other WT? Here's one. Are there any other WTMJ last names in the majors? Like there are Millers, but I don't think there's any Millers like our Gene Miller, spelled M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Uh, there, now there's a trivia question. You could throw that out there on on uh, uh, Brewers Weekly uh, on Thursday or on uh, Brewers Extra Innings one night. How many? How many major leaguers? Share a last name, including the correct same spelling, as voices you hear on WTMJ. I, had, I don't know if there's any Bill Stads in the majors this year. I I had one, but he retired in 2012. You had a Pauly? Yeah, David Pauly. He uh, he he was a pitcher. He played. Uh, let's see. He played for the Red Sox in 06 and 08. Played for the Mariners from 2010 to 2011. Tigers in 2011, a split time between the Angels and the Blue Jays in 2012. Finished his major league career nine and 19 with a 4.6 ADRA. Please tell me you are looking at that on a computer screen right now, and you didn't have that memorized. I mean, I, I obviously knew who he was. Uh, I did look up his numbers. No, all those stats. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Okay. I, I, uh, I thought you memorized all the stats of your namesake. That's no. impressive. That's so. All right, Scott, thank you so much. We'll do this again soon. All right, I'm off to check baseball uh, reference for any Warrises in the majors this year. Perfect. Scott Warris, the host of WTMJ Nights, joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And that is just about going to do it for uh, this edition of the program. Brewers are going into an off day. This week they have two off days coming up, Monday and Thursday. They are going to play a quick two-game series against Kansas City Tuesday and Wednesday. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, the scheduled starter for those two games. And after they're off on Thursday, they head to Cincinnati 
to match up against the Reds first time that they will play against Cincinnati this season. Of course, you can hear all the games on WTMJ and the Brewers Radio Network. A reminder for you, for those of you who are in the five-county Milwaukee area, you are now able to stream the Brewers games free of charge at WTMJ.com and on the WTMJ mobile app. Our post-game show, Brewers Extra Innings, if you want to listen to it after the games. If you don't live in the Milwaukee area, uh, just wait for the stream to go back live, generally about 20, 25 minutes after the final pitch of the game. That's when the network post-game show wraps up, and that's when uh, we take over with uh, Brewers Extra Innings following games. So uh, just hang tight on the stream. You'll hear other programming for uh, a little while, and then we take over. Always enjoy hearing from folks uh, that uh, maybe found the show because of this podcast. My appreciation going to Scott Warris. My appreciation to you for being tuned in. We'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.